In July of 2015, a woman in Houston, Texas is shown a grim photograph of her husband. She is shown this photograph by a man she meets under the cover of darkness. The photograph shows her husband in his underwear, hands tied behind his back, and a bullet wound to his head. It appears that he is lifeless and laying in an unmarked grave. When this woman looks at the photograph, she not only laughs, but she asks if he's getting up. When told, no, he's not, she's very happy. The man in the grave is 48-year-old Ramon Sosa. You would think it's pretty clear that this woman has arranged the murder of her husband, but just wait because there is so much more to this case. Come hang out with me while I talk true crime. Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. Like last week's case, this case is not as it first appears, so let's start at the beginning and work our way up to the photograph. Ramon Sosa was born in 1967 in Puerto Rico. When Ramon was very young, he and his family headed to New York to start a life in the Big Apple. When Ramon was seven years old, he realizes he loves boxing. When I say he loves it, I mean this is his lifelong passion. It wasn't a thing he tried, liked, and did for a few years. No, no, he loved it. And he spends from here on out in and around boxing gyms. He first got into boxing because his father was a professional wrestler. And as a child, Ramon would go to the gym with his father. And this is where he first saw boxing. He was hooked. It was love at first punching bag. Ramon, he gets older. He gets really good at boxing. And he goes on to box in 150 matches. But then he's like, wait a minute. I don't really want to compete professionally anymore. At the age of 17, he was a professional boxer. And because of this, that meant there's now money involved and it's it's got this whole business aspect to it. And it all kind of changed for him. So whatever was happening in this professional world, he didn't like it. He didn't care for this. He wanted the pure love of boxing. So when he was doing this professional boxing, he had done this back in Puerto Rico. So when he quit this, he moves back to America and he moves to Texas. When he was in Texas at this time, he was training both children and adults. And this is where his passion is. So he moves back to America, goes to Texas, and he's like, I'm not going to give up boxing. I love boxing. I'm just going to do the training. I love training. I love boxing. Uh, he, in this time as well, he had fallen in love and, and he had married his first wife. And they have three kids together. I didn't hear exactly the age that he was when he married his first wife, just that he was young. So whether that means 18, 19, early 20s, I'm unsure. But unfortunately, they did end up separating by the year 2000. Ramon would go on to say that his first marriage, it just didn't work out. But whatever happened in that marriage, he never stopped being a father to his children. He's a committed father. He loves his children. And he was always a father to his children. Okay, so after the divorce, it didn't stop him from 
being a father to his children. After he and his first wife divorced, he started a nonprofit organization. He wanted to help children who were at risk. He wanted to give back to his community. And he wanted to do this using his passion. He loved training. He, he, he loved it. And he saw an avenue here to help people with this. And he opens a boxing gym called Young Prospect Boxing. By 2009, he had married his second wife. This woman, she's mostly referred to as Lulu Sosa, although her real name is Maria. The two had met one night at a restaurant in 2007, and Ramon, he was watching Lulu dance, and he liked what he saw. He saw an attractive woman. He was, he was drawn to her. Lulu was absolutely stunning to him, and eventually he lost sight of Lulu on the dance floor, and he's thinking, oh, I've lost her. I don't know where she went. Maybe I wanted to dance with her. Maybe I wanted to talk to her. I don't know where she is. Later that evening, he feels a terrible pain in his foot. <laughs> it was Lulu. She had walked past him and accidentally stepped on his foot with her high heel. Ouch, that fucking hurts. <laughs> Ramon, he was in pain, but he didn't want to show Lulu this. And instead, he asked her to dance because she was she was quite concerned. She, oh, I'm sorry. I stepped on your foot. You know, does that hurt? Can I get you something? And he was like, let's just dance. So it sounds like a real meet cute situation out of a rom-com. Later that evening, Ramon goes back to Lulu's apartment to sleep off his drinks on her couch. Okay. She didn't, they didn't share a bed that, that evening. He slept on, on her couch and he learns that Lulu has two children. She and her children are in America from Mexico on a visitor visa and she's been working cash jobs to get by. Ramon, he's Puerto Rican. This means he is an American citizen. And this does come back up a little bit later. So the two, they have breakfast the next morning and they really hit it off. And two years later, by March 15th, 2009, they get married. Ramon had no idea death do us part would be relevant so soon though. The couple tied the knot with a small ceremony at a courthouse on a Saturday. And by Tuesday, Lulu was applying for her American residency. She had been on some kind of non-permanent visa in the meantime, and she had to go to the Mexican border every six months to renew it. And by applying for this residence, residence card, she wouldn't have to do that every six months. This was one step closer to her becoming a an American citizen, and it was Lulu's idea to skip the honeymoon and go straight to the paperwork to get her her residency. By 2010, Lulu and Ramon, they open a boxing gym together, and they call this gym Woodlands Boxing and Fitness. Lulu being very fit and very strong with numbers and admin, she was a major part of this business. She wasn't just slapping her name on some papers and, and calling herself half owner. She was very involved and in, in hardworking. This gym took off, okay? This gym takes off. It is a success. Ramon and Lulu's gym, it was pulling in anywhere between eighteen dollars to $20,000 a month within the first three years. That is fabulous for a business starting out. That is very good. They were thriving, to say the least, and they were doing what they loved. This just seemed perfect. They loved each other. They loved this gym. Their business was doing amazing. It just, everything seemed wonderful. 
they were living good on what they were making. This successful gym allowed them to purchase home and cars and Lulu would go on weekly shopping trips where she would buy shoes and clothes and the family would travel to see their family in Mexico and Puerto Rico. It was just sounding like a dream life. They were absolutely thriving. About three years into the marriage, Lulu is granted her American citizenship. Ramon, he was not informed this was happening and he wasn't even invited to his own wife's citizenship ceremony. Lulu just quietly went to her ceremony with her kids where she is presented with her American citizenship and she never told him it was happening. He came home to her and the children celebrating with American flags everywhere and they were all dressed up and he's looking around and he's wondering and he asks her what's why is there so much America in here and and Lulu tells him, well, I'm a citizen. I had my ceremony today and I didn't tell you because I thought you wouldn't want to come. That's what she told him. I thought you wouldn't want to (laughs) come. He did. He was really hurt by this. Citizenship ceremonies are, are a big deal. And this is his wife. Like he's helped her to achieve this. He's been a a major part of this. He really wanted to, to go. So Ramon, he gets home to his wife, who is now a citizen who never told him anything about this ceremony and he's hurt by this and he it's also very odd to him after lulu gets her american citizenship her and ramon's relationship it starts to go on to a to be a steady decline it starts to break down and by 2013 it was it was just really bad and that was about a year a year after she had been granted her citizenship before she had her citizenship the relationship was amazing it seemed okay now that lulu was a citizen of america her and ramon's marriage it, it was falling apart and ramon he had even asked her did you only marry me to get a citizenship so he has suspicions that lulu was being very nice and and kind to him and giving him massages and he said she was she was just the perfect woman until she got that citizenship and he would ask her did you only marry me to get a citizenship and she would respond oh look at me I'm so good looking I could have any man but I loved you and I chose you but still their their relationship it seemed to be falling apart By 2015, Lulu wanted a divorce and she went ahead and and applied for that. She applied for a divorce. I want a divorce and I'm going to apply for it. So here I go. But the thing was, with this divorce, Lulu wanted everything. She wanted 100% of the gym. She wanted 100% of the house. She wanted everything. Ramon had told her, why don't we split everything 50-50? He was being reasonable here. He was like, we can split everything 50-50. She hated the idea. She did not even entertain that idea. She wanted everything and she wasn't going to settle for 50-50. She wasn't going to settle for less than 100%. Years earlier, when Ramon started his youth program for at-risk children, a young ex-gang member who had just gotten out of prison, who was looking to get on the straight and narrow, This guy reached out to Ramon at the boxing gym that Ramon had opened. And Ramon, he was eager to help this young man. And he did. He helped him lose weight. He trained him. He was like a father to him. They developed a very solid, loyal relationship. They they became very, very close. And it was this guy 
who overheard Lulu speaking to her daughter about wanting Ramon dead. This guy is referred to as Mundo. So they call him Mundo. His real name is never released. We, we don't know his, his real name, his, his real identity. And that's for a good reason, which I will talk more about later. June 2015, Lulu started talking about having Ramon killed. That's right. She wanted him murdered so she could get his half of what he earned and worked so hard for. So she could get 100% of everything in the divorce, not 50-50. Mundo, he would help around the gym. He had this long, loyal relationship with Ramon and he would help around the gym. He would help close up. He would clean. He would do whatever he could to help Ramon out. He, he loved Ramon. This basically like his father. And he was there when this conversation was happening. And he heard this, the conversation Mundo heard, it went a little something like this. Lulu's daughter said, so he, he walks in and he hears Lulu's daughter saying, one of the kids at the boxing gym has an uncle in Mexico that kills and chops people up. That's what he heard. And he knew about the the divorce and everything going on. And he hears this and he's like, what the fuck is happening here? So he goes in to intervene and he told them, whoa, you better watch what you're saying. Like you better watch out. You don't know who's around. You don't know who can hear you. And he didn't ask for details. He He just could hear that being said about somebody having a relative at the boxing gym and they kill and chop people up. He heard that and he was like, okay, you got to cut this off right now. And at that moment, the conversation fizzled out. It went away. Later on that same day, uh, Mundo asked Lulu to talk. He goes over to Lulu and he's like, can I talk to you? And he asked her, were you talking about Ramon earlier? And Lulu says, yeah, I just want him to go away. Mundo then made a gun sign with his hand and was like, you mean go away? And Lulu said, yeah, like that. It was very clear to Mundo that Lulu was looking to kill Ramon. He he confirmed it. He, he At first he thought it, then he confirmed it. And he was not comfortable with this at all. So Mundo, he told her that he knew people that could take care of that. And Lulu, she was very interested in these people that Mundo knew and she wanted to organize a hit through him. Mundo, he takes this information and he doesn't go to a hitman. No, he calls Ramon and he tells him everything. Ramon thought it was a joke at first. He was, no, my wife's not going to try to kill me. But Mundo assured him, this is no joke. And Lulu is trying to pay someone to kill you, Ramon. And Ramon just couldn't believe what he was hearing. He never thought that this was going to be his reality, but it was his reality. Mundo, he tells Ramon, I could see it in her eyes. I know what that looks like when someone wants somebody dead and she wants you dead. He could see it in her eyes eyes. By Mundo being quick to intervene, he now had control over the situation because Lulu wasn't going to try to get anyone else to try to kill Ramon. She wasn't going to try to seek out another hitman if she thought Mundo was organizing it. 
But Ramon is like a father to Mundo. And, he, you know, he's not going to allow Ramon to be murdered, let alone organize it or play a part in this. He was going to stop this. So what he's doing is very clever. It was very quick thinking, very smart. This is where things get very interesting. Mundo takes it upon himself to record all these secret conversations he starts having with Lulu about organizing this job. He gets Lulu saying all kinds of incriminating things, such as she needs Ramon dead before the divorce is finalized so she will get everything. Because if he dies after the divorce is finalized, then his kids will get everything. She's not in in his will. She knows this. Basically, she's like, I need him dead now. How can we do this? Mundo tells her, oh, I got two guys named John Boy and Paco. And they said they will do it for, it was like 12 or, or 14 grand. And they also want $200 now for a gun. And Lulu, she's keen for this. And she says no problem, but she will, she can only give them some of the money now. And then she can give them the rest of the money after Ramon is dead. Because she will use the money she gets from Ramon being dead to, to pay them the rest. So clearly this was for profit. There was money involved here. Mundo, he had also bought two burner phones. One for Ramon to pretend to be John Boy and Paco. And one for him to communicate with these quote-unquote hitmen in front of Lulu. And the conversations he's having. So Lulu's sitting there. Mundo's sitting there with this burner phone and he's texting. Ramon is texting back, pretending to be John Boy and Paco, saying things like, oh, I need $200 for the toy. Ask her for $200. And apparently toy is code for gun. So Mundo had told Ramon what to say because Ramon is like, I have no idea how to have this conversation and, and have it sound legitimate you know mundo's like well let me help you you know call a gun a toy ask for this do this blah 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 blah. and it works and this is it's they they totally have lulu convinced that john boy and paco are hired to kill ramon and she's gonna give them x amount of money and she's gonna give them 200 dollars for a gun this is where it just it's crazy to me that this is their reality. This is what they're doing in their spare time. They're dealing with Lulu trying to kill Ramon. They're trying to take control of the situation. They're trying to defuse this situation. And I just thought, what a what a crazy after work hobby that is. So Lulu, she gives Mundo the $200 to give to John Boy and Paco for this gun. That for sure shows intent. So now they can prove intent. They know that she's serious about this. She's talked money. She's given them money for a gun. There is just so much intent there by her handing them any money. And it's all recorded and the evidence is just, it's already overwhelming. Ramon thought because they have all this overwhelming evidence that they had gathered enough for police to act so Ramon he goes to police Mundo didn't he he really didn't want anything to do with the police because he's an ex-gang member and 
he's never supposed to go to the police. So Ramon, he went to the police. At first, it was just him. Police, they were very interested after seeing all this information. They could tell something was happening here. Something was, something unlawful was unfolding. It was very clear Lulu wanted to kill Ramon. She had sought out hitmen. She had thought this through and gave them $200 for a gun. And she had said she wanted Ramon dead. She said that. Police, they wanted to talk to Mundo though. Uh, you know, they wanted to bring Mundo and they wanted to talk to him. They wanted to just seal the deal on this story and just make sure it's, it's legit. And after some convincing Mundo, he finally agrees to talk to police. This is how bad Mundo wanted to save Ramon's life. He was willing to put his own safety on the line and he did, which is why his name and identity is never revealed. He is kept totally confidential during all of this. Uh, you never see his face. You never hear his real name. You don't even ever hear his voice in anything that, that I found or saw or read. Nothing. Police, they bring in a lot of different professionals to work this case, including the FBI. <laughs> so they're like, bring in the FBI. Um, and they come up with a plan to gather their own evidence. They send in an undercover cop to pose as John Boy, one of the hitmen. And they organize a meetup between Lulu and this undercover cop who is posing as John Boy. Lulu takes the bait and she's now caught on hidden cameras in a vehicle soliciting the murder of her husband to an undercover cop. Lulu pays John Boy $2,000 cash and some of Ramon's jewelry that she took from Ramon to kill him. So she's paying this hitman, quote unquote hitman, cash and Ramon's own jewelry to kill Ramon. That would have been absolutely heartbreaking for Ramon to see. The total amount agreed upon ended up being $14,000. But again, she told him she could pay the rest after Ramon was dead. And she again stated it had to be fast because the divorce was going to be finalized in one month. So there's a one month countdown here. She wants Ramon dead within a month. When Ramon hears how this meeting went, he thought by now for sure Lulu could be arrested. But police, they were nervous. They were nervous that she may slip through the cracks of justice in a trial. And they didn't want there to be any wiggle room uh, when it came to her conviction, to her being convicted and sentenced. They didn't want the jury to look at her and be like, oh, she's got two kids. She's a mother. Maybe she didn't mean to do this. They wanted this to be concrete. This leads me to how Ramon ended up in a shallow grave. The investigators, the FBI, the police, the DA, they all come up with a plan to kill Ramon. <laughs> well, not really, but they want to fake his murder. That's right. The photo is a fake. It's staged. It's staged. He's not dead when he posed for that photo. He's very much alive. They bring in Ramon to run this idea by, by him. I mean, this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation, but I guess it's all been very uncomfortable. And he's looking at these pictures that they brought out of people who had been victims of gunshot wounds to the head because 
that's what they're going to try to recreate on Ramon. They want this this look for him. And he agrees. But he also needs to disappear for three days. They just came up with this plan for him to disappear for three days and take a do a photo shoot of him in a grave looking dead. They tell him, make sure you literally tell nobody about this. Not even Mundo. Mundo can't even know. Ramon, he does this. And he spends three days in hiding, no cell phone. They even took the phone out of his room. I believe he was in a, a hotel room. They took the landline. It, it was removed from the room. He was being hidden and he was being guarded the entire time. It was within these three days that the FBI and the police make this murder photo. They stage this crime. When I was listening to Ramon tell this story himself, because yes, he is still alive, he is not dead, he said when the FBI pitched him this idea, they told him they already had the shallow grave dug. And I was like, what? Why Why do they already have that dug? Why do they have a shallow grave on standby? That was That was my question. It raised a lot of questions, but none of them ever got answered, so let's just move on. Ramon, he shows up to disappear for the three days. And some of the police, they come in with makeup. And they tell him, we're here to make you look like you've been shot in the head and that you're dead. These officers had watched tutorials on how to make a gunshot wound with makeup that day, like the night before or that day. And that made me laugh because I picture them sitting around on a a laptop scrolling through YouTube in the police station watching Halloween makeup tutorials and just bouncing ideas off each other. Yeah, that would look good. Yeah, that would look good. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. Oh, yeah. Just the imagery of that, it um, it made me laugh. In spite of them not being professional makeup artists and just learning how to do this from YouTube, they do a really good job. The gunshot... It uh, appears to be on his temple. There is a a bit of blood, but not overdone. And they give him a bloody nose as as well. They bring Ramon out to this shallow grave in in a bushy type secluded area. And they show him. They're like, here's your grave. And they ask him to remove his clothing down to his underwear. They tell him to put his hands behind his back like his hands are bound together. And then they position him in this grave. Uh, the police, they throw some dirt on him and they get him to close his eyes and they start taking pictures. So it's like click, 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 click. This photo, it looks very, very convincing. And you can find it online if you want to pause for a moment and search this image. Uh, I would be careful though with what keywords you're looking for because you might see something you don't want to see. If you want to be safe about this and just see this exact image, I have linked quite a few news articles, um, documentaries, things that he's he's appeared in or things about this case and they do show that photo. So maybe just have a look through those links if you don't want to Google it because again, you don't know what's going to come up with Google image when you search things about gunshot wounds probably if you search Ramon Sosa police image I'm sure that would come up if you just want to follow the links in my show notes to the documentaries to the news articles they that that image is shown on a lot of those Ramon said he could hear the police clicking away so he could hear click 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 
And he's pretending to be dead. And he's thinking about this situation, which he has now found himself in. And I'm sure it was all really sinking in at this point. Had Mundo not intervened, this would be his real fate. And that, I'm sure that is a very chilling, gruesome thought. After the images are taken, they give it to the undercover cop posing as John Boy. And they arrange a meeting with Lulu. This is all recorded. Lulu gets in the vehicle and Mundo, he's in the back seat. The undercover cop is in the, in the front seat posing as John Boy. And he tells Lulu, we got a picture to prove to you that the job is done. And they show her the image. And her response, like I said at the beginning, she does, she's not sad. She doesn't cry. She's not regretting anything. No, she's laughing. She's laughing. And Ramon, he would later describe this as her acting like she's just won the lottery. He said he, her hands go up in the air and she's kind of raising the roof and she's laughing. This is a big day for her. She is absolutely thrilled that she thinks Ramon is dead. She is 100% convinced by this image that Ramon is dead and gone. Shot in the head and dumped in a shallow unmarked grave. And she thinks that is so great. She's just cold-blooded. I am sure when Ramon watched her reaction to that image, he probably questioned everything about the past. Did she love me? Did she marry me for the citizenship like I suspected she had? The undercover cop goes into detail about the quote-unquote hit and says that Ramon put up a fight which is probably why they gave him that bloody nose. So they gave a backstory. He says he, he beat one of my guys up uh, and it was a real struggle and he fought really hard, but in the end, the job is done. So they made this very realistic because Ramon, he was a professional boxer. He trains, he owns multiple boxing gyms. It makes sense that he's going to put up a fight. In an interview I watched with Ramon and his son, Chris, they appeared on a YouTuber slash podcaster's channel called David So. This is an amazing interview. I've linked it in my show notes if you want to watch the whole thing. It's about two hours long. It's a lot of talk about boxing as well because Chris, Ramon's son, he is a boxer now as well. He, he boxes and he's, he's pretty good, I guess. So they appear on this David So's YouTube podcaster channel and Ramon, he really goes into depth when he talks about it. He spends over an hour talking about details, talking about everything. But Chris, he's also there and he knows everything that's happened. And he says that in that moment where Lulu had the meetup with the undercover cop that showed her the dead photo of Ramon in that shallow grave she after she was laughing and, and celebrating like she won the lotto she shakes the undercover cop's hand she's like thank you and shakes the cop's hand and then gives him more money <laughs> I would say that seals the deal I can't think of any defense lawyer in the world that can save Lulu now to make sure there is no argument that Lulu wanted her husband dead wanted Ramon dead and was willing to hire someone to do it they basically got all the evidence i think is is possible to do police they don't arrest her then and there though that night they don't they don't do that they have more of a plan to play out 
The next day, police show up at the gym. Lulu is partial owner with with Ramon. And they tell her, hey, we have a missing persons report here about Ramon Sosa. You're his wife. Do you know where he is? Lulu is, she's playing stupid. And she's saying, no, I haven't seen him. I have no idea where my husband is. Last time I saw him was Wednesday. And she's acting slightly concerned. And she's putting on a little show. Meanwhile, the officer there talking to her knows damn well she thinks she has had Ramon killed and that she's going to get away with it. I tried to find the body cam footage of this because apparently it was on YouTube. I couldn't locate it on YouTube, but fortunately I found it when I I Googled it and I have linked that in my show notes if you want to watch it. There is something about watching someone lie that just fascinates me and this video is no exception it's the same thing when I watch interrogations I I'm just fascinated with this so if you want to watch that body cam footage it's about three minutes and 30 something seconds long I think maybe pieces have been cut out uh, but at the end of it they arrest her so she's like, no, I don't know where my husband is. Oh, I saw him Wednesday. And her mother is there and she's chit-chatting to her mother and they arrest her. And Lulu, she has no idea what's going on. She thinks they're just questioning her about a missing person. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you're under arrest for soliciting capital murder. We've got a warrant. Stand up. And they're handcuffing her. And she's like, what? What? Ramon, he's informed. That Lulu has been arrested. He's, they tell him, hey, she's been arrested. You can come out of hiding. And he calls his parents. Well, this had already made it to the news. And on the news, I'm not sure if they put a picture of Lulu on the news or if they gave her name or what, but his mother had seen the news. And it was like, woman arrested for solicitation of capital murder or woman charged with this. And somehow his mother knew that this was Lulu, his wife. And she started to cry because she thought that because Lulu had solicited this capital murder, it meant that Ramon was dead. So his mother is thinking her son is dead and she's crying and she's crying. And then Ramon calls his parents and he's talking to his father and he can hear his mother crying like crying so hard such a painful cry and he's like mom I'm not dead (laughs) so here's Ramon calling his crying mother who thinks her son is dead but he's not dead he's on the phone talking to her and he's alive and he's well could you imagine that situation could you imagine thinking someone is dead being absolutely distraught and then getting a phone call from them The amount of confusion and just the type of emotions happening there, that would just be too much to handle. I'm sure there's not many people in this world that can say that that has happened to them. What happens to Lulu now, though? There is way too much evidence against her for a defense to try anything, right? Wrong. Lulu tries to charge Ramon with rape. She must think if she can file these charges, then maybe she can use some kind of abused wife defense. But this went nowhere. It was investigated, but Ramon, he was cleared of any wrongdoing. 
Lulu spent the next 15 months in prison, and in October of 2016, she decided to plead guilty in hopes of a lighter sentence. She pled guilty to second-degree solicitation of capital murder. For this crime, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Ramon, he's thriving now. He wrote a book about this experience called I Walk on My Own Grave, A True Crime Story. He has been flown to England to speak at an international conference on men's issues. He's been interviewed by so many people on podcasts and he's made appearances on Vice and and morning shows. Uh, His son, Chris, did say that the book is overloaded with uh, details, uh, some details he didn't care to know. So I think it goes into the sexual relations of Ramon and Lulu just by uh, what Chris was saying made him feel uncomfortable. <laughs> so I feel like the book is uh, has a ton of detail. If you want to read that book, it sounds very, very interesting. And th- this case, I feel like most news channels covered this in America. It was a massive story. And it is so crazy to hear him tell this story. He travels around the world telling this story. And Again, just click the links in my show notes and you can hear him tell this story. He could have easily ended up in that grave for real, but he didn't. He lives to tell the tale. So I highly recommend watching his interviews, watching him tell this. That concludes this week's episode of the man who faked his own death to prevent getting murdered. You just don't hear a case like this very often. (laughs) Uh, What I did want to say is when I was talking about the citizenship ceremonies, about how, you know, they're really important and he, Ramon felt really hurt. I had my citizenship ceremony just last year and it is a big deal. It's a huge deal. They have a band play. They give you a present. They give you this certificate, your, your citizenship certificate. And it's like a very formal event it's it's a it's a huge thing and I invited so many people but the thing is they only give you a couple weeks notice about when the citizenship ceremony is taking place and by the time they gave me my notice my partner had already booked flights to the other side of the country to go visit his parents So my partner couldn't come because he was on the other side of the country. I invited my friend, but she couldn't come because she had a (laughs) poisonous spider bite on her butt. (laughs) So she couldn't sit. She couldn't walk. She was really uncomfortable. It was this massive well. It was basically her butt cheek doubled in size. So she couldn't come because it's like two hours of sitting through this ceremony. I invited my two other friends who I used to live with. But the week before, they had just had a baby. So they <laughs> they had a newborn baby. My partner had was on the other side of the country with his parents. My other friend had a poisonous spider bite. All my family doesn't live in this country. So I invited so many people. I told so many people about my ceremony. Unfortunately, nobody could make it. I had to go alone. But I did FaceTime in my sister and our friend Troy. And Troy is an avid listener of my podcast, so I just want to give him a shout out right now. Troy, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing my podcast with everybody. I I know you've really been spreading it around. 
yeah, so that's how when I was talking about the the citizenship part, I was like, mm-hmm, they are a big deal. And you usually do invite everybody close to you. It's, you know, it's a thing. That concludes this week's case, though. To hear a brief overview of each week's case, please find Hell No True Crime Podcast on TikTok and or Instagram. If you wouldn't mind, please leave a review or a five-star rating on whatever platform you are listening on and hit that follow button if that's an option for you because then when a new episode gets posted, it, you should be informed somehow. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Again, head on over to Instagram or TikTok. Let me know what you think about this case. It is absolutely wild, somebody faking their own death and going to that extent and the FBI being in on it. You just don't hear this situation play out a lot. May have started with uh, Lulu laughing, but Ramon, he certainly got the last laugh. Thanks for listening and see you next week.